When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As NFL defenses continue to evolve, three-down linebackers are becoming more and more scarce, right? That and more this week on the IDP Blitz. Hands up, get ready, it's the IDP show. With the football guys in Sydney Bloom, you know how that goes. This ain't your typical, we deliver the hard fast. This is the dopest fantasy football podcast. It's when I go home, everything's at risk. Welcome to something new, it's the IDP Blitz. When I go home, everything's at risk. Welcome to something new, it's the IDP Blitz. Josh here with Adam and Bobby from the IDP show joined this afternoon by the great Sigmund Bloom of football guys talking three down linebackers. Sig, there was a belief this offseason that three down linebackers were going the way of the dinosaurs as modern NFL defenses adapted to keep pace with these high volume passing attacks. Did this belief impact how you approached your IDP drafts? Perhaps uh, going LB early as a result? Well, I think you get your anchor linebacker early, right? Uh, But I think that we can look at in a really rough way, linebackers are kind of like wide receiver in that you're going to still like options at linebacker well into your IDP draft. And then as we talk about, as the show uh, goes on, we'll talk about some of the actual specific names. Uh, But yeah, I, I think that you always build in to your IDP draft strategy, and I'm going to hit this note a lot, okay, guys, that you can be flexible in IDP. You have a lot more outs. You have a lot more help coming from the waiver wire. Players that get inserted because of injury often do are a much higher percentage of the production they're replacing than we see on the offensive side. Uh, so you don't really have to feel that urgency, except maybe to get that true anchor linebacker, you know, uh, a Devin White. Uh, I think comes to mind. Uh, But then, and this is going to be another thing that we're going to talk about. When you look at the linebackers that were going off the board early, not all of them have lived up in terms of scoring guys. There's another big picture uh, question we can talk about here, which is how much does IDP scoring map to actual quality of play or importance to the defense? You know, and it, and it's not always perfect. So, you know, I, I can look at one of my leagues right now and the top linebackers uh, included top 10 guys are like Jordan Hicks and Pete Werner and Devin Lloyd and some guys that weren't even being drafted like Zaire Franklin, like Frankie Louvu. Um, so I, I think that if anything, when we're going to talk this through as we go through these points on the show, um, we're going to feel like linebackers less important. Uh, now, hopefully true positions and making it so it's a, an off-ball linebacker position uh, will make it more important. But I actually think it's going to function to make the edge players more important because if they're mixed in with linebackers, then they seemingly become you know matchup plays at best. So actually, I think that the IDP, because of the things we're going to talk about today and because of true position, 
uh, is at linebacker is remaining a position that doesn't need to be essential and actually other positions are becoming more important. Yeah, lots to chew on there, Addy. But something Sig mentioned right at the end, I think dovetails into the general strategy. And we talked about this this offseason a lot on the show. But in these startup drafts, I'm still going DL early. Like as I look back over the drafts that we had, I went DL early a lot, largely because we're in big play leagues. Mm -hmm. These are leagues that reward sacks and TFLs. So those defensive linemen are coveted. But I also know, to Sig's point, I can find these three-down linebackers on the waiver wire. Hello, Frankie Louvu. Hello, Camus Grugier-Hill. But I will say, the best ball draft that I did where I went TJ Watt and then went with Logan Wilson, Devondre Campbell, and Bobby O'Karake was probably my favorite build of the offseason. I think there's a feeling here that maybe you like your team better when you've got these locked and loaded LBs. But as Sig said, that doesn't mean these guys are necessarily scoring the best for your lineups through four weeks. Yeah. I mean, definitely, you know, <clears throat> I'm never going to go into any draft with my mind made up on what I'm going to do strategy wise. I'm going to look for the value that I can find in each round. Um, and that's probably where I'm going to, going to go. But you know, with, with linebacker, especially there's just way too much value in the middle and late rounds. And once the season begins, you know, way too easy to find on waiver wire, you know, Josh mentioned Frankie Louvu and, and Camus Grugier-Hill, but I, I bet TJ Edwards, Michael Walker, Jordan Hicks, I bet all those guys run waiver wires. That's your LB5, 6, and 7 right now. Uh, we joke about Alex Anzalone being bad at football, but he's LB11. Uh, Zaire Franklin, he's LB13 replacing Leonard. Devon Diablo, Pete Warner, both those guys are aver- averaging 10 tackles a game. Jacob Phillips looks like he's going to be an LB2, LB3 for the rest of the season. It's just way too easy to find linebackers and this idea that it's you know harder than ever uh sounds like a bunch of hogwash to me i know that's what i was gonna say none of these names that you're reading off were names that were up in lights necessarily as we went into the season babo so i'm curious did this impact your strategy were you going dl early were you you know planning to grab linebacker off the waiver wire like addy was not necessarily. I mean, I think exactly kind of what Sig said, that you do kind of want your your one LB early. You know, as much talk as we kind of give to the relevance of safeties playing in the box, you know, the big thumping types, the, the Derwin James types, you know, football's still football, right? Your D-line needs to stop the run, rush the passer. Your safeties need to protect deep, you know, be the last line of defense for the run. And your linebackers, what are they for? They're for filling run gaps, cover tight ends, you know, playing these wide receivers as they're crossing over the middle. I think more than anything, what we're seeing this year um, is that as cute as these NFL coaches can try to be with their defensive schemes, um, linebackers are really the core to a good NFL defense. You know, the Bobby Wagners, the Luke Keekleys of old are really – being replaced by the same type of guys, in my opinion, the Devin Whites, the Roquan Smiths, the Devin Lloyds. Um, and not only are those guys pivotal to a good defensive scheme um, for these defensive coordinators, but how much better do you feel going into an IDP week knowing that Devin White is your LB1? I'm guessing pretty damn, pretty damn good. That's right. 
I feel very good uh, having Devin White in a few Congratulations, places. Thank Josh. you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So let's put some actual specifics yeah. around this because I think it's important. We talk about, oh, you can find these guys on the waiver wire. There's so many of them out there. So we dove into the numbers a little bit, and I came away very surprised. And shout out Mike Wollert for this data. does a great job tracking the three-down linebackers over at 4 for 4. But through week four of the 2022 NFL season, there are 40 linebackers playing above 85% of their team's defensive snaps. That's that's that threshold for three-down linebackers is 85%. And of those, 14 have played 100% of the snaps. Sig, what's your reaction when you hear those numbers? That's still only just a little over one per team, right? That's right. Yeah. So it's still not, it doesn't seem to me to be a reversal of the trends we've been watching. I think that uh, another thing that maybe it may reflect just it's the pendulum. And I would be curious if we went case by case guys for the previous years, like how much of it was injury, how much of it was uh, just players, teams finding their way on defense where we're talking about these rate stats uh, and it doesn't necessarily reflect the, winding road that is an entire season for a player but look uh, I still think that tells us that teams are using four five players at off-ball linebacker depending on their strengths but I also think one of the things we're gonna have to watch here is whether teams are getting better at um, having multiple modes out of the same personnel sets and the same uh, uh, formations so I mean isn't that really the tr- what the trend should be right um and I'm reminded also of something Byron left, which said earlier this year when he said, I don't want to be balanced. I want to be multiple. I want my offense to have multiple modes so I can attack the defense with the mode that is going to expose their weakness and isn't a great way of doing that. And again, this is what we see out of these like Kyle Shanahan type offenses, Sean McVay offense. You were using the run to set up the pass in so much as that the same formation and the same personnel set has many different plays that can be run out of it. And I think maybe defenses are swinging, the pendulum swinging a little more back towards quote unquote, every down linebackers because you need players that can defend the run and the pass because depending on the play, they're going to be put in conflict and have to make these decisions. I think another thing we've seen guys is, thresholds height weight thresholds for linebackers are swinging back more towards the classic linebacker safety like foyer aluakun right these linebackers uh and we've seen it at different points over the years thomas davis these these tweeners and i think actually a quote-unquote tweener is the prototype of the position now right that's actually the type and it's not you're not in between anymore it's the nature of the position that it puts them in conflict i want to touch on something really quick going back to the previous question and i think as you i mean you got y'all are i like how you're the idp show because you're one of the shows of record really in in this space and i think it's one of the uh, you mentioned mike wallert right like there's a short list of who's who in the idp world and we, we rub elbows with all of them get to do shows with all of them and it's great and because idp is still an emerging part and i think it's i think it's picking up momentum in part thanks to the work that y'all are doing just advertising idp as a great way to play fantasy football that we have more room in idp to innovate right we have more room to be responsive we have more room to change things. And I don't know about you all, but almost all the IDP leagues now that I care about have really changed the scoring system to try to reflect stats based on importance 
as much as participation because isn't tackles and assist really just a participation stat at the end right we don't differentiate between making a tackle 20 yards downfield because you missed your assignment and a tackle when you come up and and stuff the linebacker in the hole for no gain right um so i think that scoring systems that give points for quarterback hits and pressures and tackles for loss and and tack on points and really pump up the points for forced fumbles and interceptions and so on really get us back to that balance and can actually help reward people who pick quote-unquote good at football players Uh, and then we also mentioned true position i think true position will thin the pool of linebackers and maybe keep this from being something where people can just get away with picking up these linebackers or waiting until the end of their draft uh but you know again what there's an overarching point to all this is when you play idp fantasy football you're paying more attention to how the game is evolving and changing because it's immediately affecting your strategy this is why you do a pod with sig eddie he is (laughs) a fantasy football player he's a historian he's a uh he's into philosophy there's like 10 different amazing points he right. made right I want to like I'm like oh all these amazing doors stand before me which one do we want to open here to get to the tackle thing though I mean you're right that's the most basic thing a defender does right that's 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 uh the first day of class if you're on defense <laughs> Learn, defense 101 how tackle, learning how to tackle so yeah and and big three scoring we don't we don't overvalue that we, we use uh assisted tackles are like 0.75 points and then yeah. I think mm-hmm. a solo is 1.25 points Basically, perfect again it's just you know Trying to bump up those stats to try and balance them with the other positions. Pass defended is a really good one that we try to give a little more weight to to help also boost the cornerback. And defensive linemen. Defensive linemen, when they bat a pass, that that is an incredible, important stat for, you know. So there's ways that we can reflect the importance of the play to the defense uh, and the flow of the game. Yeah, absolutely. So looking at these numbers, Addy, you had a nice tweet here that I think touches on something that Sig mentioned. Um, This was a higher percentage than I expected. I think that's probably colored a little bit by how last season ended when we had 17 linebackers finish the 2021 season playing more than 85% of the snaps. So I expected to see maybe 25 to 30, but seeing 40 with you know, 14 of those playing 100% of snaps. That definitely was more than I thought. But, Addy, you saw a great tweet here that I think touches on something that Sig mentioned and also helps us understand maybe why we're seeing this more. Yeah, so here's the tweet. It's from Jay Moyer FB. Uh, That's Jamie Moyer. I think, Sig, you're very familiar with this fella. Uh, We are almost at the point of rediscovering why NFL coaches traditionally place emphasis on being able to run the ball. The reason for that is you have to be able to punish teams who want to sit back in two high shells and have their their uh, defensive line pass rush every single play. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, as the league becomes more pass happy and defenses start selling out to stop it, I think we're going to see teams trying to establish the run and linebackers will become more valuable when that happens. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Sig. Listening to some of the NFL coverage coming out of this week, I was listening to the athletic football show and Robert Mays mentioned NFL rushing offenses, you have my attention. And he just mentioned how it's a pass-happy league that we're in, and yet at least through four weeks, it seems like more and more coaches almost counterintuitively are placing more of an emphasis. I mean, it's a, it's a punchline. It's a cliche at this point, right? Establish the run. 
you obviously are plugged into the offensive side as well, doing some great analysis over there with the Audible and football guys. Is this something that you've noticed? Uh, more, more and more coaches trying to get the run game going early in the 2022 season. Well, and certainly you can see, like, let's look at you know what Atlanta did last week, right? To beat Cleveland, and we, what team are we associating more with running game than Cleveland right now? Uh, but I think uh, um, Jay Moyer who is a great football mind and not afraid to be contrained, right? If you know, if they came from the Matt Waldman RSP bloodline, like Moyer did, like one of the first places that you saw his work, uh, you know, they're not going to be afraid to be contrarian about these kinds of things. Uh, But absolutely. I think that you're seeing that. And this is one of those things where we really miss a lot of the picture whenever we don't get the perspective of players, because I think that players are going to not downplay the importance of the run. Uh, I think there's a lot of different things that play into it. Um, And we can look at, again, how these offenses are using the run to set up the pass. Uh, And also, guys, what are we going to see even as we get as the weather gets colder? You're going to see teams like Buffalo. They are going to have to establish the run. Uh, you can't make it through the playoffs. We obviously Baltimore, even everything that Lamar Jackson's doing, they're getting some players back. They're going to need to establish the run. So I, I think it comes down to uh, one of those situations where not every team can be Miami with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and wear defenses down by making them run, just making them run and run and run. And then by the fourth quarter, like we saw Baltimore's defense, I think that you, uh, in some ways, you know, you're going to. I always like to think of it, guys, like a video game, right? You have your like, power bar, your health bar. And whenever you run the ball, those little bars get smaller for the players in the front seven of the defense, right? And for offensive linemen, yeah, they want to run the ball. Offensive linemen, yes, please. Yes, I want to tee off on somebody. I don't want to be on my heels. I don't want to be preventing. I want to be flattening somebody, right? I want to be be putting hands on someone and making them remember me. So I think that there's a lot more that goes into it simply than EPA or whatever metric we've come up with that has pushed things more pass heavy. Uh, and it, and it's always going to be a pendulum. It's always going to be a pendulum. Last thing I'll mention, y'all are very indulgent because I go on and on here. Um, there was we a, love it. Please keep going. Yeah, no, there's a good piece. <laughs> Chuck Klosterman wrote a piece that was part of his a collection of short stuff he did. I think it was called um, Eating the Dinosaur or something like that. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, but you can look it up because it was part of ESPN. ESPN used to uh, have blogs. Hunter Thompson actually was a blogger for them, believe it or not. I, mean, I don't know which shows I've mentioned this on. I'm sorry if I've already mentioned on yours. But Chuck Klosterman laid out, like, why football, right? We're all obsessed with football, right? Why football? He's, and he said, basically, he laid out that um, even though, and maybe this is changing, at the time he wrote it, maybe 15 years ago, this was more true, like the audience of football is conservative. Football itself is extremely progressive, Right? Football is like, hey, whatever you can do with 11 guys and you make sure that you adhere to these rules, if it works, it works, right? The A11 offense. And what do we always hear, guys? It's a copycat league. It's a copycat league. It's a copycat league. And what that means is you're going to have this this evolution process, but also it has a pendulum effect where whatever works is going to proliferate and more teams are going to do it. And even through things like coaches getting hired, right? Successful systems get coaches hired and promoted, which means they're going to implement those systems on more teams. And then teams are going to have to find ways to stop that. 
but the ways they come up with to stop that are going to have their own flaws and the smart teams the early adopters are going to figure that out first and the pendulum will continue to swing back and forth so it's it, it, it's a circle it's not a straight line when we talk about how the nfl ebbs and flows Mm-hmm. Yeah, Addy, I don't want to be trying to tackle Derrick Henry in 10-degree weather in Nashville come no. December. No, he looks like he's back. He mm-hmm. looks very good. I got to watch him demolish my Colts this weekend, and uh, I thought, man, Derrick Henry looks really good. I mean, he might have. He, is he the reason that uh, Okereke got benched? It may have been. <laughs> he may have put uh, Okereke yeah. on that bench, but you hate to see it. Um, and you're right, Sig, it is – this sort of pendulum that swings. I'm curious now with some of the factors that we've mentioned, are we seeing the swing back towards more three down linebackers, different body sizes, a lot of interesting trends to keep an eye on here as we move forward. But one of the trends that has staying power is the importance of a three-down linebacker. If you want a high score for IDP at the position, you need that high volume of snaps. So a little more context here. Of the top 12 linebackers in 2021 by Big 3 scoring, 11 of them played more than 85% of snaps. Jordan Brooks played 87%, but of the other 10, all of them played 95% or more of their team snaps. The, The only linebacker who didn't crack 85%, the LB1 on the season, Micah Parsons at 84%. Talk about a freaking outlier. So simply put, a three-down linebacker gives you the best chance at rostering a top score at the position. But given what we've seen so far, Sig, I want to start to put a little bit of kind of application around these numbers How are you handling your top linebackers in season? Are you holding them a little tighter or are you more open to moving them knowing you can likely find a replacement? Yeah, I think you have to be more open to moving them, right? I mean, you can just look at the top linebackers to date. And again, scoring systems, because they vary, are going to make everybody's rankings a little bit differently. Uh, But again, we mentioned some of these names already. Jordan Hicks, Devin Lloyd, Pete Werner. Um, uh, Zaire Franklin, whose door's closing, maybe. Frankie Louvu, should have had two pick sixes already this year. Um, Michael Walker, Alex Anzalone, you guys mentioned. You know, TJ Edwards was in a new role. Um, depending on how much you weight, sacks and pressures and things like that. Alex Highsmith, at least on a game, you know, you take the highs and lows together. Drew Tranquil, um, Rashawn Evans. Again, these are all based on either players on the rise who we had it we didn't know how good they were going to be this year or uncertain situations right we still had Deion jones figuring somehow into the atlanta linebackers right up until they put him on injured reserve so i think that what you're seeing and that all of those guys are like linebacker one linebacker twos and none of them were going in the top 10 or 15 linebackers in our draft none of them not that those players are worthless right i mean if you took devondre campbell if you took cj mosley uh, Oluokun, then Miles Jack was going a little bit earlier this year with his move. They're, they're working out for you, uh, but I think that uh, you you can see and you bring up the participation stat in terms of snaps, and it's an important thing to point out. And again, I think this circles back to the idea of weighting scoring so that the importance of the play is reflected as much as just simply participating in the game, which I think is where we get more to tackles and assists. But because of that, um, 
if there's 42 guys that are getting 85% of the snaps or more, that means that in your typical draft, even if you have to start three linebackers, you can get guys who have the basis and participation for starting at the end of your draft. Or, the, you know, how, how many linebackers get drafted in a typical IDP draft guys? You know, like 60, 50, 60? Yeah, 50, so, 60. Yeah, so you can be waiting. And uh, I think, it, again, from an IDP strategy standpoint, it circles down to, so I'll give you all an example. Um, in uh, Goid on Roids, which is just an awesome, awesome league, Robert Wright started it. It's the league where everything is impo- as important as everything else in terms of position. So there's no way to game the system. I took TJ Watt in the second round and I took Aaron Donald in the third round because I think those are the players that are head and shoulders above the others at their position. The same way you, you would take, you know, um, Cooper Cup or, or uh, Josh Allen, right? Um, and I and for linebackers, it's much more difficult to stand out if that participation is really the key indicator of value. Yeah, Bobo, I want to tee you up here because positional value is something that can change based on how players are designated. Mm-hmm. You have famously employed the start the outside linebackers yeah. as your linebackers in our main league, uh, which is through RSO. So you're either a defensive end or a linebacker. But you've seen a little bit of a shift this offseason, never one to shy away from a trade. Mm-hmm. I feel like your philosophy has changed a little bit on moving linebackers in season. Well, me and Adam have a little bit of a cheat code because we have seen um, both worlds. We are pre-true uh, position in our main league, the XFFL, where your Hassan Reddick, uh, Harold Landry, Matt Judon types are still linebackers. Um, but then we have the other listener league where those type of guys are defensive ends. And I feel like, I don't know, we're going to go back and forth, and it all depends on value. It all depends on where these guys are drafted. And it also depends on, you know, PFF, how good these guys actually are. Um, But I feel like there's five to ten linebackers that you really want to pay attention to. Um, You know, your Devin Whites. To me, your Fred Warner, I'll talk about him here in a little bit. Your Nick Bolton types, your Roquan Smiths that are going to be on the field for 100% of the snaps. I feel like there's only really five to ten of those guys that you really want, which kind of goes back to Sig's point earlier in – you know, draft a defensive lineman early, and then I I don't hesitate to go back and grab a stud linebacker in round in uh, round two and three, and then come back and throw your darts on guys like Uchenna Nuasu, Josh Sweat, one of these deeper edge type guys, as opposed to throwing late darts on guys like um, Willie Gay, Patrick Queen, even Ernest Jones. As much as I love Ernest Jones, it is difficult from one week to the next. All you're hoping for with Ernest is that he sees the snaps. And um, that's difficult to uh, to hope for from, from one week to the next. Eddie, I want to tee you up as well because I feel like your answer might be a little bit different. You famously said you don't care anything about a running back on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Is linebacker kind of the proxy for Says defense? the guy who has uh, DeAndre Swift, Nick Chubb, and Saquon Barkley. <laughs> so maybe his league. philosophy has changed. <laughs> maybe your philosophy on linebacker has changed. But how do you? how are you handling your linebackers knowing how many of these guys are out there right now? Well, you know, Bobby, funny, funny point. Uh, 
to uh, come back to that is it's also no one wants to trade for these linebackers that's when true. you have them. You know, that's why it's like same with the running backs. Like no one wants to trade for the running backs when they're even even though Saquon and Chubb are both one and two, I cannot get rid of them in any dynasty mm-hmm. leagues. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so like you know, I'm not going to give away a stud linebacker. But I, I do think now is probably the best time to sell, to sell one of these studs, you know, a, a Roquan, a Devin White, a Jordan Brooks. Guys, have you, you know, have you looked at these PFF grades for these fellas? They're pretty gnarly. They are not great. <laughs> okay, 48.1 for Roquan, 52.3 for Jordan Brooks, 35.9 for Devin White. Well, then you have the video of Jordan Brooks jumping over the guy <laughs> and getting flattened. It's not been a great... <laughs> Start and if you watch the game Sunday night, Devin White looked terrible. Yeah, mm-hmm. he looked bad, mm-hmm. uh, and the grades back that up as well. But you know those grades and being that low, that really scares me when talking about dynasty value. Mm-hmm. So if I have the depth, I'm definitely consider trading these guys away, and maybe even for more than uh, maybe even for less than what market value is, just because again it is hard to find trade partners. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're you're trying to sell high. You're trying to cash out on these guys definitely. that are playing really well right now. Definitely, because yes. I mean even look back historically over the last couple of years of you know we've got his jersey here on the wall pre Darius Leonard now Shaquille Leonard you know how many people are happy that they either extended them in their contract league or they didn't take that offer of two firsts in 2020 Um, probably a lot of people would like to roll back the clock on that one it just seems like you know Adam's right a lot of these linebackers just don't have even though they're fun and even though they might be an LB one or two overall in your league right now the staying power just kind of gets a little muddy with that said, I will um, I will not trade away Devin Lloyd at all. <laughs> he's That's the, the one guy. He's just what you want him. Right? I want him. There are certain yeah. players that you want them on your Got team. Got a massive crush on that guy. Sure. Yes, so. it's it's you're hot in the pants for Devin sure. Lloyd. But let me ask you to think about another Devin. Yeah. I'm sitting here with a decision to make. We're in a contract league. I have the option to extend Devin White for four years for about eleven million a year, which would make top of the market money. So, what should we be doing with Devin White? If you're yeah. rostering him in any of your leagues, is now a good time to cash out, especially if you're at this decision point with extending him? Yeah, I mean, what's tough to handle. So this is something that's been a discussion, ongoing discussion, right? I've written a column for a long time in football guys called buy low, sell high. But the reality is buy low and sell high are outmoded concepts. They're outmoded concepts because there's so much information. There's so many quality fantasy football people out there. There is no information gap anymore. If there's an information gap or information edge, it's not in the amount of information. It's just the quality of information you're getting. And oftentimes we can't tell the quality of information until after the fact because we're just analyzing and speculating, pretending to tell the future. Uh, But really, we're still guessing. So... So one of the points I want to bring up is really it's more like buy high and sell low, or at the very least, when we're talking about these players, it's sell below perceived market value, or I guess if it's perceived market value, you're not selling below it, sell below what, what, um, analysis that is disconnected from what people actually think and how people actually act would say that. Uh, based on VBD or based on scoring, Devin White is worth this, or these linebackers are worth this, or these running backs are worth this. But we understand that running backs uh, a position most likely to have injuries. Or in terms of these IDPs, um, what have we seen? We've seen some guys, we've seen some generational talents lately at an IDP. What happens to all of them? You know, J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt had arguably the best stretch of play for three or four years of any individual defensive player ever what the things that he was was doing was unthinkable and then what happened his body breaks down 
Aaron Donald, generational talent. He submitted his retirement letter this offseason. TJ Watt, generational in terms of his pass rush productivity. He's breaking down. So ex- exactly at that moment that it feels like this guy is uh, a, a, you know, a cheat code for your team, that everybody wants him, that's exactly when you need to sell him. That's exactly when you need to sell him, even though that feels counterintuitive, but circles me all back around to like, if everyone's thinking it, you're not going to be able to do it. It's it, So absolutely, this is the time to sell Devin White because as we're talking about, guys, you're not going to get 100% of the value in a trade. You're, you, may, you may be lucky to get 75 cents on the dollar in terms of the actual bottom line value for your fantasy team week to week. But in terms of a long-term team building strategy, you just see how quickly these guys fall out of favor. I'm going to bring up Blake Martinez now, right? Nobody cares. No, nobody, the Blake Martinez is out there and we'll see when he gets signed, right? Where was Blake Martinez going in IDP drafts this year? Yeah, top, probably top, top five rounds, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the league is saying, like, we don't think what he offers is that valuable or scarce. So, you know, Joe Schober, I mean, how many times have we seen these linebackers get paid 10, 12, 14 million dollars a year only for two or three years later? They're, they're looking for a job. And I think that that's why you cash out, even if it feels like you're getting 60%, 70%. In a few years, you'll be happy you did it. All eyes pivot to Micah Parsons. As mm-hmm. as Sig is reading yeah. down this list, that feels like the next guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This sort of locked and loaded guy, Devin White, sort of along the same lines. Um, but yeah, the Blake Martinez thing is funny. It's like, anybody want to sign old Blake? Old Blake mm-hmm. will work for a million bucks, and nobody wants to give this guy a job, Addy. I know, and now that's uh, that's a fun situation there for IDP managers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, God, Divine Diablo. I know. Perryman. Uh, Jayon Brown, and we got Blake Martinez. Welcome mm-hmm. aboard, bud. Cool. Is he is he officially signed with the Raiders? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know he was. It was rumored, uh, but that it, was yeah. his former DC. Right? That's right. That's where I you thought he would that. end up. Yeah, yeah. 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 Patrick Graham wow. connection makes sense. Wow. Yeah, I've uh, a back Josh from the future Adamus. voice. Hey, sure. back from the future, and this is a great episode. So, <laughs> uh, but let's move down to sort of a forward looking question, Sig. And then we're going to wrap up after this one with a nice, fun dynasty discussion. But I want to spin forward uh, here and talk about what are we doing with this information? This is the time of year where I feel like managers start to either look to the future, they pack it in, they start selling off assets for picks, or they load up to make a championship run. So as we're thinking about how we're going to approach next offseason, We'll revisit the stats in December to see how it looks compared to the end of last season. But let's play a game, Sig. Okay. Let's say 25 linebackers finish above 85% of snaps for 2022, which would be an increase of eight from the previous season. What effect, if any, does that development have on your strategy in IDP drafts next offseason? Yeah, I think we'll, we just keep circling back to this idea that linebackers uh, in IDP in general, I've been playing IDP fantasy football for 20 years or so. And even way back when, before any of these changes started, before defenses started using 15, 16, 17 players, uh, or nickel was the base defense. Guys, back when we used to be able to say, this is a base defense. That's right. 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 Those days are gone. Remember that? Um, Even then, you always knew in the back of your mind that there was help coming. There are reinforcements coming on the waiver wire. 
Uh, and again, maybe one of the things we can do to change this is weight stats so that the importance of the play to the defense is reflected in the scoring as much as just being out there on the field to tackle the guy who because your defense can't stop anybody you get all of these tackle opportunities um, and that's how we end up with these situations where an idp stud is not really somebody that teams are interested in paying money for like blake martinez because it's the quality of the contribution as much as the quantity of it and you know we're seeing with somebody like isaiah simmons that sometimes the quality of of linebacker against the pass can take them out of those opportunities and it reflects on them poorly in idp leagues but actually they're more valuable to the team a tight end stopper right a tight end stopper is going to keep a quarterback from throwing to a tight end that's not going to be reflected in the stats anywhere um so and, and i think that another point i'll circle back to is how many and then we're four weeks in now, so we have enough data to say hey, how many of the top 20 or 25 linebackers are players that were drafted in the top 20 or 25? It's a very low number. So all of these things are going to remind us that you break ties against IDPs in drafts. Uh, and I think that that should always be your strategy until IDP fantasy football changes to punish people who do that. Yeah, there's a disconnect still, Addy, between the players that are good for NFL, good for IDP. Right, A lot of very good NFL players, at least to start this season and going back you know, every season before this, as long as IDP has been in existence, there still exists that disconnect because we can't truly measure with IDP players like, for instance, Fred Warner. Fred Warner has been the topic of more should-I-drop-this-guy conversations than any other highly drafted, at least linebacker that I have seen thus far. And I, and I po- I showed this data to John Macri. I wanted to get his takeaway, and he said, this is a reinforcement of not spending high picks on linebackers because they're so plentiful. The sting that we're feeling right now is if we spent a high pick on a guy like Fred Warner that he's not producing. And suddenly this asset that we took very highly, that we put a lot of draft capital into, is crap in the bed for our team. He said something very interesting. You don't hear people asking about dropping Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, or Max Crosby if they have a bad stretch. The early pick on a linebacker, especially when there are tons of them out there, it adds this unnecessary frustration when they don't perform. So if if these trends continue, I am just going to be doubling down on taking that stud DL early and then just planning to grab linebackers off waivers. Now, unless it's best ball. Best ball, especially draft and done like we did this offseason, Addy, this is a situation where you want to go LBs early and often and grab those guys because you can't play the waivers. But if the waivers are open and you can pick guys up, I think that if this continues to go the way we're seeing it go, it only reinforces sort of the attitude and the philosophy that I had this offseason. I agree. I mean, that's I don't have much to add there. I mean, that's that's uh, that's a good one, Josh. Thank you, Eddie. <laughs> really I, I good like response. When you, I like when you make me feel smart. Uh, Baba, what about you? If we end up seeing more three-down linebackers at the end of this season, does anything change for you in terms of your drafts next offseason? Um, probably not. You know, the other thing that I thought about as well is listening to the Around the NFL podcast, and Greg Rosenthal was talking 
um, in London, I think this is where they recorded That's about right. how um, how heavy the beginning of the NFL season slate is. We just came off of the Rams' second Sun. Or I guess they were Monday Night Football, but they also started the season also, as Thursday yeah, a Night lot Football of prime time games. against the Bills. Then they just played a pretty decent team in the 49ers. The Sunday Night Football game this week was um, the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. You know. Just like Sig saying with running the ball as we get into October and November and colder months in December, um, patience is still key. Um, it is quite the juxtaposition of value with linebacker because you kind of want to tread that line in IDP. It is fun to have a Devin White. It is. It makes you feel better when you have a stud linebacker, but there are the weeks where you throw in Alex Anzalone or you throw in Denzel Perryman and you know the floor is going to be 10 tackles that week. And um, almost what I'm getting more out of this conversation with Sig is that, um, at least for me, patience is key. We're getting into some muddy months where linebackers are going to rack up some more tackles as the run becomes more, um, more relevant. But the other thing that I'm also kind of maybe taking away is that Dynasty is really hard, and you almost want to play Dynasty with a redraft mindset. Don't look five years down the road, because really your window for some of these guys at peak might be two years. Linebackers, defensive linemen have a little bit longer shelf life, um, but from a value perspective and from a um, you know value getting back in some of these trades um, – I, I agree. Sell while you can, and while the perceived value might be 70% of what you want right now, 70% is a whole lot better than 20% next year. Josh, you have Devin White on your uh, XFFL team. That I do. What would you sell him for? I think right now, I mean, because he's LB1. Someone, someone comes and gives you uh 2023 20, first. Is that enough? And it I, looks like it's going to be in the back half of the first. That is not enough. I mm-hmm. want either a second... The following draft or a third in 2023. I want okay. multiple so picks. first and third. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first and a third in 2023. And one of our league mates is sitting out there. Yeah. He's already asked about Devin White, so I know he's going to come calling. Do you think it's, that's that's accurate value? Would you sell for a first and a third? For a first and third, yes. Yeah, that feels and if, about and right. And if I'm stacked, and depending on where my team is, you know, if I'm if I'm um, if it doesn't look like I'm going to be contending this year, I'll probably sell them for a first if that's the best I can get. Mm-hmm. That's right. I think you just want to churn those guys out and get in as stack as many picks as you can. That's right. Get so, as many darts as we can throw at the dart board. Cause we can find, I mean, again, we've mentioned 20 linebackers that weren't even probably drafted. Exactly. In most yeah. A lot of these guys are probably out there just floundering on these waiver wires that we can't scoop them up in these best ball drafts. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of sad, but let's, let's close out here with a dynasty focused question. Sig Bobby mentioned dynasty. It's tough in these streets to figure out which IDPs do we want to hold tightly and which ones should we be looking to ship off. So let's end with some linebacker dynasties talk, and we'll tee you up first, good sir. Who are some linebackers you're targeting in your dynasty leagues? Yeah, and I think that this is going to be a, a it's a straightforward answer, and I want to go back and invoke some of the players we've talked about too, like Devin Lloyd and Micah Parsons. And you can think of this career curve, right? And you always want to be buying when they're just on that beginning of the upslope 
of their career curve and you want to be selling at the peak, which is exactly when it feels like you shouldn't sell, right? This is the Devin White conversation. So it makes sense to me that if you're making trades right now, uh, what you hope is, and again, something from playing IDP fantasy football for a long time, the hardest thing in the world is to trade defense for offense. I'm glad you all are talking about it, at least in terms of draft picks, because defense for offense, it, it just, you know, the, it almost feels like you're robbing your team of upside when you are trading with someone in Joe Bryant terms that has their position, you know, six, seven, eight points a game better than replacement. And you can't even get an offensive player who gives you two, three points over replacement because of the nature of the imbalance of how people view the value of the players. The same thing that happens in our IDP drafts. And that's why it's refreshing that some of the IDP leagues I'm in, that the scoring has changed so that you really are considering Aiden Hutchinson or Trevon Walker uh, next to some of the offensive players, you know, Brees Hall, when you're at the top of your draft. And that, again, changes the calculus of what these draft picks are worth. And another thing I think you can do, going back to your Devin White trade conversation, is you ask them to throw in somebody like a Frankie Louvu or somebody, I mean, not because his scoring's been so high, get that producer because people aren't going to be attached to them, even though that player has been valuable. So get draft picks and get replacement players. Now, the players I'm trying to buy right now, Hopefully we're far enough into the season that some of the draft picks from this year are not feeling as essential because they're not contributing to your team. So I'm going to be asking about players like Nakobe Dean, Channing Tindall, Brian Osamoa, um, um, Kayvon Thibodeau. You know, some of these players that have not been doing anything for your team yet and not anything on the horizon. And then you can even look at maybe some second year players, especially. And I hope that true position becomes a thing. Because Joe Tryon, Choyinka, Jalen Phillips, you know, these guys as linebackers are not that exciting unless you're really waiting quarterback hits, pressures as you should, sacks. Um, but uh, as we get to true position, I think another thing that you, I mean, this is one of the other things about IDP fantasy football is much more than on the offensive side, you, you look for these hacks, you look for these, these tricks, basically, where based on position, designation you can play uh, safety at cornerback etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, and I do think that as true position hopefully becomes the way in IDP league some of these players that are considered linebackers in MFL and some of the other um, software league software be when they become just edge and you play two edge players now their values restored right we saw this in the offseason with Joey Bosa and a lot of other players who are like oh like a gut punch that you have to play these guys at linebacker Joey Bosa was still a pretty solid linebacker depending on your scoring before he went down. So I think that Joe Trinka, Jalen Phillips, but we're always looking at the players at the very beginning of that career curve, the very beginning, and the um, the production hasn't manifested yet. So if you are going to make a big trade, Devin Lloyd, Micah Parsons, these guys make sense, right? It may, even might make sense to do something like Devin White uh, for Devin Lloyd and a second round pick, mm, mm. right? Defense for defense, defense for draft picks. Akri's never going to do that. Yes, that's uh, the thing, though. I mean, I think everyone's already caught up. Yeah. You know, I that's think right. Devin but, Lloyd's already creeping into maybe LB one territory. You did it. You, you were ahead of the curve. <laughs> you were the tastemaker. I'm, I'm just the office gif of the guy taking notes right now as Sig's talking about these targets because that's right. This is something where these players are not producing yet. And they are right at the very front of that value curve. And mm -hmm. that speaks to some of the players that I was looking at as well. Uh, Malcolm Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. Alex Anzalone is still the guy there. But the grades for Rodriguez continue to impress. We know his time is coming. Uh, Quay Walker. Addy, you brought it up. 
Devondre Campbell signed a nice deal this offseason, but how long is he going to be the LB1 in Green Bay? I think that's Quay Walker's job long-term. And then this is a little bit of a zig, because I do agree with you, Sig. The guys that I'm looking for are the ones who are at the beginning of that kind of takeoff. But I'm looking at Fred Warner. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm looking at Fred Warner is I think he would never be cheaper to acquire than he is right now. And something Adam mentioned on the last episode I thought was very interesting is that Fred Warner is going to age very well for Dynasty because he is so heady when he makes the transition to being this sort of in-the-box linebacker, not in coverage as much, not doing, not covering the tight ends and doing the things that don't show up in the box score. He is going to be a tackle monster, and so we may actually see this nice little value bump later in his career, which is not typically what you think of with a dynasty linebacker. You kind of see it peak and then start to level off, and then eventually you're Blake Martinez or Joe Schobert, and nobody wants to sign you. Mm -hmm. So that is one that's a little bit of a zig right now. I think if you've got a frustrated Fred Warner manager, reach out and see what the asking price would be. Addy, who are some of the guys you're looking at? Devin Lloyd, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, even though he's, you know, he's extremely expensive now, I think that there's still probably a little bit uh, more that his value can go up. So I'm okay targeting him. Pete Warner, I love his game. And we know DeMario Davis is going to be out of there pretty soon. But, I mean, the guy's already averaging 10 tackles a game. So um, great start to his career. He's also grading very well, graded very well last year. So it seems like he's an actual good linebacker. Troy Anderson, even though there's a lot of headache right there in, in Atlanta right now, that should all kind of get out of the way. Deion Jones definitely moving on. I think Rashawn Evans was on a one-year deal. Yep. Michael Walker, his contract may be coming to an it's end. It's up after this season or next season. So they'll have a decision to make there in Atlanta on him. But either way, I love Troy Anderson and, and uh, his athletic profile and, and the upside that he possesses. And then you know, someone that you're going to need to be patient on, Chad Muma. Um, I think Foye Aluakun could be another one of those types that, uh, you know, doesn't finish his contract. Uh, not an actual good linebacker could get cut early. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that happens, and even if not, even if there's an injury to, you know, right. have forbid Lloyd or um, Foye, I mean, Chad Muma is going to step right in and probably be a LB2 for us. Very so. profitable role. Yeah, I love that. Baba, what about you, man? Who are some trade targets you're looking at right now in Dynasty Leagues? I mean, the guy that I'm swooning for right now is probably Nick Bolton, just because it looks like he is finally, um, finally. taking over Someone the Steve Spagnuolo <laughs> defense and uh, is playing a heavy percentage of that linebacker uh, snaps. And it kind of sucks that Willie Gay went down because that was kind of a fun defense with them together. But Chenal's been okay also, but I am re- ready for Willie Gay to come back. Um, JOK, even though he is... A little bit more of an off-ball guy. I do like JOK in coverage. Um, And I think Jacob Phillips is also kind of interesting there in Cleveland as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, But then the the one, too, that I don't think anybody is thinking about right now is um, Will Anderson. I actually watched a little bit of Alabama uh, the last couple weeks, which I don't do. I'm not really a college guy. But um, Will Anderson and the hype for 2023 is coming. And uh, First-round pick? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That guy could be potentially, I think, the next Micah Parsons type of edge, rushing linebacker type of guy. Um, So for the teams that are starting off a little slow or the next couple weeks, they're slowly seeing their season kind of wrap up with with no playoff aspirations. Um, 
slowly pivot to 2023 and start looking for Will Anderson. Because I think exactly like Adam said in a bunch of our you know previous podcasts, the defense is going to fall in a lot of your offense and IDP um, rookie drafts in 2023 because the 2023 offensive class looks crazy stacked. We're going to tack in another five quarterbacks, it look like, looks like. Um, so some of the defensive rookies coming out of uh, college this year could be grabbed in the second and the third round, and you could uh, – you could really grab a Devin Lloyd at the two hundred six this uh, this next coming year. Do you think you need a first for Will Anderson in rookie draft? I don't think so. Um, I think maybe maybe a late first, maybe an early second. But one twelve. I think the rookie uh, the rookie offensive players coming out this year. It's a uh, it's going to be deeper than it. It's going to be twenty twenty esque in my opinion. I love it. Yeah, a little bit of everything there, Sig. And mm. as we wrap up. I, I just want to kind of open the floor here. Sure. You have such a great perspective on IDP. Like you said, having played for, you know, 20 years at this point, uh, what would you say to IDP managers maybe who are new to the game? This is their first year playing. Mm-hmm. They're trying to figure things out, get their sea legs under them. What advice would you have for those new IDP managers out there? Um, the main reason to play IDP fantasy football is it makes the experience of watching a football game so much richer and more meaningful because you're familiar with the stories of the players on the defensive side. You're more familiar with defensive football concepts and it makes it, uh, was it Pat Kerwin who wrote the book? Like, just don't, I remember what it was called. Like, don't take your eye off the ball or something like that. Like that there's so much more going on in a football game than just where the ball is. So IDP fantasy football is your excuse to, to go on a journey here to learn all of these individual players to understand. Cause, and remember this too, playing IDP fantasy football will make you better on the offensive side, yeah, especially right. if you're talking about DFS and lineup setting, because even just knowing the injuries on the defensive side of the ball, right. Or just understanding that which by paying closer attention to defense, like which matchups are better for pass rushers and things like that, then you're going to understand which weeks are better weeks to play wide receivers and quarterbacks and which ones aren't and so on, which teams have trouble stopping the run, which therefore means they get a lot of tackle opportunities. So their linebackers worth more, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that winning your IDP league is the thing you do to get yourself out your front door and go on this journey, but it's all the stuff that you learn and all the way that watching football becomes more interesting that you actually gain. That's actually how you win. So don't worry, let go the Buddhist, let go, let go of what you're desiring and, and, and just enjoy the flow. I want to tackle one thing real quick. Malcolm Rodriguez calls a really good one because I think one of the other things we need to be looking at is which defenses is it ain't working. Ain't working. Ain't, yeah, working, ain't working in Detroit. Mm-hmm. There's going to be changes coming, and I think that the window, like any week now, we could see that Malcolm Rodriguez breakout game for IDP, and I think it's a, a really good thing to to put a little more urgency on that one. Is where the other ones were thinking it's going to be a while before they break out. And how much more fun are you having playing IDP this year than offense? Offense sucks so far. Oh, this year. It's been it's, brutal. It's, it's like the it's like a Russian uh, tragedy or the Civil War or something. It's just bodies everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just looking around like, God, is there any? does anyone want to score points on yeah. the offensive side? But like Sig said, that's why you play IDP. You expand your enjoyment of football. If the offense is bad and there's bodies all over the place. Mm-hmm. I didn't even notice, to be honest. I had no idea. Yeah. Just- you- <laughs> <laughs> what a great burden lifted, yeah. Right, exactly, because you yeah. get to enjoy IDP. Yeah. And what uh, what better IDP, way to I mean, truly, IDP scoring is going bonkers this year. I mean, yeah. if you look it at is. the top yeah. scores, like – 
players are coming through, so it's mm-hmm. it's been nice to see. You love to see it, Addy. And sure you do. love to see the IDP show and Sigmund Bloom together. Sig, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. We are going to circle back up with you first week in November yeah. and do this again. So yeah. thank you, sir, for coming on the show, giving us a little bit of fantasy football, giving us some history, and giving us some philosophy. We always appreciate your insight. Yeah, my pleasure. And I like feather pillows. So if you get one like a feather pillow, like a nice soft pillow, I don't like those firm pillows. So when I, I come tumbling down the stairs, that's right. Time, gotcha. That's right. Nice yeah. Next pillow. episode, we'll have Sid climbing down the ladder that you see here <laughs> over my shoulder as we introduce him. It's going to be a lot of fun. But thank you all for tuning in to this very special episode of the IDP Blitz. We hope you all enjoyed. He is at Sigmund Bloom on Twitter. We are at the IDP Show and the IDP Show.com. You can check out all of Sig's work at footballguys.com and get a subscription over there. They are absolutely crushing the IDP side of things this season. So go over there, get you a sub, and play IDP fantasy football. Until next time, see y'all later. Welcome to something new. It's the IDP Blitz. When I go home, everything's at risk. Welcome to something new. It's the IDP Blitz.